Hi, my name is John Trotter, founder of the Trotter Family Foundation, and this is an investigative podcast about all things foster care and what happens to youth who age out of the foster care system. From firsthand experience, we will share stories, resources, and shed light on what it looks like to embrace that crucial transition from foster care to independent living. This is the Aging Out Podcast. Hi, welcome back to the Aging Out Podcast. I'm really excited to jump into our last uh, pillar of our organization, community education opportunity, and finally service. And uh, this one is so important uh, to me, just as uh, you know, education is because I believe this is a uh, important area to learn. It's important area to give back, uh, to really be thankful and grateful for the people that help you. Um, on your way, and also just to understand that this sort of transition into adulthood, into independent living, into uh, developing life skills, it's always something that you can sort of look behind you and see where you've come from and really engage um, others to try to maybe teach some life lessons, but just become a mentor, become someone who um, is trusted and someone who uh, can can maybe share some of their own life experiences as someone's going through uh, that very real transition. Um, I often view this as sort of being the older sibling who has gone through um, life and has gone through something, and then you can sort of come back and uh, and share what that was like for you, and then uh, you know, hopefully would encourage and inspire others to have a better outcome. So service is all about uh, you know, giving back and learning from what you've went through and also volunteering, uh, giving of your time. One of the most valuable assets we probably have is our time because our time is something that uh, we never have enough of, or if we have too much of, we aren't sure what to do with it. And it's really difficult to be idle and to not be doing something uh, for people who are fidgety and, and just um, have you know, so much their, you know, brains are always thinking and they have the next idea in line, our time becomes so important. So when I think of all of these pillars, you get from, you know, being into a, in the community, once you um, age out of the foster care system, Uh, you may be working towards employment or education uh, milestones, trying to get your, you know, college degree, your certification in an area, uh, your apprenticeship, and then you go and you find those opportunities, those jobs, those experiences, those internships, um, whatever it is that is going to sustain you and give you, um, you know, the opportunity to be a productive adult. Um, and then I think after you reach those milestones and after you get to those steps, then what you're looking at is serving. You're looking at a way to take a step back and uh, remember what each you know, milestone was like, what each point of your journey was like. And it's so important to be honest and to be vulnerable and to be willing to share the positives and the negatives, the um, successes and the failures. You know, one of my favorite visuals is the, the success uh, and failure iceberg, where at the top, you know, you see the success and you see where someone has uh, you know, come to a place of being very um, high achieving, 
But underneath that, there's this visual of the persistence and the failure and the sacrifice, um, the really deep, deep disappointment. Uh, and also kind of up on the other side of that spectrum, you have you know developing a good work ethic, good habits, um, working hard, being dedicated, being passionate. Um, and that sort of illusion, what it points to is sometimes people often just see the success at the top. They just see that you became something, you made something of yourself, or you're you're doing well, or from the outside, things look very well. What they often don't see are what it took to get there and the difficult steps you had to go through and maybe the heartache and the uh, disappointments you had to go through. And I'd also argue and say, um, you know, you don't always rid yourself of those things, even if you do come off as successful. You might still struggle with disappointment and failure and doubts and, you know, fear that you're never going to be good enough. And so um, even though this illusion of success is what people see, there's a big part of it that people don't see. And I think that's where you get into the nitty gritty and the details. And as you feel comfortable and as you build relationships, that's the part of it that you can share. Um, everyone has a story uh, and everyone has an experience they you know, have gone through and you could easily um, you know, point to these moments in your life where uh, you weren't sure what your outcome were going to be. Um, you know, you weren't sure, you know, how you were going to make it in the end. And I think those are the types of things that I think it's a struggle to, to really get out. And it's not always, you know, comfortable sharing. And, and I would say for myself, I've also, um, had a hard time just, you know, trying to, you know, I guess, conflate my experience and then trying to transition that to someone else and saying, you know, you can have this very same experience or you'll have the very same outcomes or here's how I did it. Those are the type of questions that I really, I don't always like thinking about answering because you're trying to explain to someone how you did something when oftentimes you're not even sure how you did it yourself. Um, this is also an area for me personally where it's really deeply rooted in my faith and rooted in um, you know, my trust in Christ and my, um, my spiritual journey, my, um, of, of just this, uh, getting outside of myself. It's not something I could, I could have done myself. And if you've ever, um, you know, walked that life as a Christian, there's so many pools that tell you, um, you know, believe in yourself, find this inner strength, uh, find this self-help way to go forward. And there are definitely good truths, um, that in good, uh, you know, policies and good ways to live and follow. But if you really want something deeper, I think service being servant hearted um, really goes deeper than um, that surface level. And I, I think this just deep rooted idea of faith, it's all about sacrifice, all about, um, you know, wanting to see others, um, you know, come out of a situation, want to have uh, freedom, want to see the best in others. And really you, you start getting down to that, that depth. Um, you know, we hear more and more of uh, this holistic approach to health, you know, your physical health, your mental health, your um, spiritual health becomes a part of that. And I believe all of those are so important. Um, you can't really have one without the other and think that you're going to be 
you're more whole of a person. If, if you just work out, if you just hit the gym and build up your muscles, uh, yeah, you're going to have maybe some physical change, but your mental health may not be uh, doing the best. Your your sense of body image and um, and whether or not you're comparing yourself to others may be affected. And then your spiritual health sometimes goes beyond that. Like what's at the deep root at the core um, of who you are as a person and um, and what what dictates and and speaks uh, truth into that. So, you know, the idea of service brings all of that you know full circle because um, we get to be the beneficiaries of so many just um, great people. If you have the opportunity to just have those who've who've seen you, who've who've seen what you've gone through, who maybe know your life story, but that's not what the conversation is always about. They see you as a person and they build a friendship with you and they encourage you and they want to truly see you achieve your best. I would say in this realm, it is hard to take a step back and say, those might be the same people who are willing to speak truth to you, which may not always feel the best. It may not be always the kindest words. It may be some hard truths and sometimes when you're being an idiot and they're calling that out. Um, true friends will speak to that. Uh, true friends will be able to, um, you know, bring about more of this change in your life by being honest with you if you're not seeing clearly. Um, and so, you know, I think that's what I what I kind of see is um, as being in this sort of realm of service is figure out where you've been, you know, where you're going, and who can you also help uh, to get to that place. Now, one of the ways that I, I definitely think service is clear to me is, you know, public service, whether that's with a volunteer organization. Um, but I also see that, um, you know, in my background, just military service is one of those areas that can really, you know, shape the direction that you, you go in life, whether it's for, you know, a career or if it's a temporary time. Uh, you know, less than 1% of all U.S. Have, adults have served um, in the military, and it's it's a very small percentage who serve compared to the population. And that means that when you serve, you're doing something that is bigger than yourself. It's taking you outside of yourself. It can sometimes be a unique uh, category, um, and it can be something that, you know, others may not be doing, and they may not understand um, but you you really are carving out this opportunity for yourself to take those life lessons and really do something with them. Um, and that's what I find to be the most rewarding is to be able to uh, legitimately sit down and write out, you know, here's what my path looked like. Um, so, you know, I want to take a little bit of time to give an example. And it's just an example for my personal life. But it's also something that uh, has has stuck with me because I don't think I take enough time to reflect and think, you know, how did I get to this point? So, you know, years ago, I had decided that the next step in life for me was to continue uh, building my education. Um, education, and I would argue for foster youth, is huge because, um, you know, typically, if you're in that realm of foster care, depending on your state, you can qualify for a tuition waiver and you can you know, get your undergrad degree. Then you can decide if you're going to go on and do you know, um, higher education, if you're going to do more 
uh, you know, grad school, medical school, law school, those are not really talked about a lot. It's sometimes just enough to try to get through undergrad. But then you start looking, you know, what do I want to do in life? And I think at that time, I really wanted to study the law and figure out, you know, what is the force behind all these decisions that were made about me and for me as a foster youth that I just didn't know, like what was behind that? And so as I was pursuing um, this next journey of going to law school, I remember it being just a, a very um, difficult time, a very challenging time. Uh, so much uncertainty, uh, so much, you know, doubt and whether or not I would be smart enough, whether I could do the testing. I hated standardized testing at that point. I still do. And one thing that you don't really think about when you go to law school or any sort of, you know, grad school, oftentimes there's this process of getting into those schools. And then there's this process of passing the qualifying exams to actually enter that career, that profession. So even if you get into the school, that's just the one milestone within itself. So let's start there. I had uh, been working three jobs. I had packed my schooling because I really needed to get finished on time. I think I was taking like 21 hours a semester. I um, was a substitute teacher. I worked at a, at a community center. And then I was also a, um, you know, doing an internship at the time. And so I don't even know, looking back, I don't really know how I balanced all of those things, but I did. And at, at the time I was um, working just enough to pay rent and some groceries. And with the help of friends, I was able to make it through that. But I remember thinking, I don't have time. I don't have the money to buy some fancy program to study, to get into law school. I'm going to have to rely on um, just just my own uh, study habits and my brain and and what I know I can do, knowing that um, there's a very likely chance that I would not be able to go into that realm. And so what I started thinking was, well, I'm going to just see what resources are out there. So I went to a library. I found some old old books. Um, you know, everything now today is um, you know technology. You have online tutors. You go through a study program. Um, you pay you know, a couple thousand dollars, maybe, um, you know, $900 to $1,500 for some program. You follow that, you know, through that, you do practice questions. I didn't have that kind of money. So what I did is I just found this old book from like the 80s about studying for the um, LSAT, you know, the law school acceptance test and um, admissions test. And um, I was really trying to figure out what's the way that I can learn and study um, knowing that I don't, I just don't have a lot of, um, you know, fluid income to take some, some course. So I found this old book. I did a bunch of problems in it. I studied, how do you answer these questions? Um, I felt like I was a decent writer. That was one of my favorite things to do was language arts and writing. So I felt like, okay, if I can get that part of it down, then you jump to these things called logic games and you just really, it's sort of like, you know, they, I think, um, I've heard some Marines before say, what's the best way to to do well and do better at pull-ups. Well, the best way to do better at pull-ups is to do pull-ups. So at that point, I had no idea really what I was getting into. I'd taken some practice um, law school admission test exams, and I was like, okay, if I can do these these practice exams, maybe this will dictate you know how I can do on the exam. I've heard of people doing the practice exams or actually taking an LSAT, seeing their score, and saying, not going to be a lawyer. I'm, this is not the path for me. 
this exam was extremely difficult and just not going to happen. So I would say that's sort of the realm I was in, knowing that I was sort of doing this Hoosier style of studying with this book. I mean, it was it was larger than a Harry Potter book, uh, just this huge book. It was so old. I just remember it being uh, so old and just full of these logic games. And I don't think I even have it anymore. I think I gave it away to someone thinking, hey, here you go. I'm going to serve them and give them this old book, which was probably um, somewhat of a disservice. But <clears throat> it taught me to uh, you know, work with what I have, see how I do it. And I remember I took the LSAT and <clears throat> applied to, I think it was nine schools. And I had some of my top lists. I had some of the ones that sounded interesting and then everything in between. And I remember that that um, not even having enough time to to be concerned because I was applying for these exams. Most of the exams, once you do those, you get your score, then you're doing the applications. Most of the applications have a fee. Some of those fees you can get waived. Some of them you can't. Um, I was doing nine different applications, and I heard from six of the schools, three not yet replies, and I thought, okay, I did all this time. Then I thought, okay, whatever little money that I do have left, I'm going to try to visit some of these schools because likely this is where I'd be spending the next three years. Um, and you know, that wasn't, I wasn't going to visit all six schools because that wasn't feasible, but I remember just this, um, idea of, you know, applying and then you get accepted into a law school. And there was such this weight off my shoulders, uh, getting, getting those acceptance letters. Um, you know, and there was also this feeling that some that didn't reply and you sort of thought, um, okay, well, if I hear from one you know, that will be, that will be good. And I will tell you at the time, talking with law students at the time that I'd met, they said, don't go to law school. Talking with administrators, they were saying, you probably want to wait. Um, you might not be ready. And I think some of that was, was probably somewhat a sage counsel, but I'm the stubborn type of person who's thinking just because you can't do something, don't tell me that I can't. And I promised myself at that moment, I would never discourage someone from pursuing an opportunity if they were willing to go about it and work hard at it. And, and they really were convinced it was something they'd be able to do and wanted to do. Even if they thought they're not sure or they're going to fail at it, I would never discourage them. And I think that was something that sat with me is that you're telling me not to do something because you couldn't do it or you didn't want to do it. And there's nothing more discouraging on the path to, um, you know, service and being a servant-hearted person than discouraging someone, which I think is vastly different from trying to put in boundaries and saying, maybe you want to reconsider this. I think a lot of the discouragement I heard was full out discouragement saying, don't do this. And it wasn't to me from a place of counsel. It was from a place of doubt, a place of fear, um, and a place of just not really believing in what my abilities were. And so I remember deciding not to listen to that. Um, I got accepted into law school. I was, you know, so excited to be on this next milestone. And I actually had something that I never thought I'd have. I had choices. I had options of where I'd end up going. And so I knew that at that moment, I'd always want to look back. And I think each year I was like, if I make it through this, I want to look at the person um, who's below me and saying, you can do this. Like you can, you can make it through. 
And I think, you know, if I could make it through, so many others could. And I think that's what my goal is going to be, was to, to encourage people and say, if you don't have the skills to do it, find it. Find a way to develop that. Find a way to uh, grow in that. We need to all know where our limitations are. And I don't believe uh, those limitations are discovered by telling someone they can't do something. I mean, how disappointing is that? So when you're on this path to, you know, um, as I was to, to getting to, um, you know, law school, that was my, my goal. Um, I had gotten there and I had um, been, you know, in this realm and I was in this phase of learning. And I remember just being, um, you, you kind of get stripped down from what you know, whatever your background is in education. And in law school, you're learning um, how to do new things. You're learning how to um, you know, think about situations and facts and issues in this different way. So on the path of service, you really serve people well when you learn about um, their walk of life, when you learn about where they're coming from, what they understand. And, um, I, you know, I, I also in undergrad had this background in social work, just working with people. And there's nothing more important than to learn how to work with people, listen well uh, to people and uh, figure out what, what is it that makes them passionate? What do they want to do with their lives? Where do they see themselves going? Um, and how can you be someone who speaks that truth into their life, be a trusted friend a mentor, someone who, when their life might be in shambles, you can go to um, them and they'll they'll respond to you, um, or they'll come to you. And we need to both be those type of people and also seek out those type of people. So, one of my favorite things about our organization is it took a little bit to get these, um, you know, this acronym in place. But I call it the Community Education Opportunity and Service. And the acronym is CEO. And I feel like a CEO, the chief executive officer who runs a company, who is the head um, you know, the, of a company, sometimes the face of the company, they have this very difficult job of setting a vision and getting people to follow that. So I thought each of us sort of needs our own little personal board of directors, whether that's one person or a few people, but someone who you're running your ideas by, running your life by, running your difficulties by who you trust and who will uh, build you up, not the people who will be your affirming brothers or sisters who will say you're in the right, you were wronged, um, you know, everyone around you is lying, everyone around you, they're the problem. No, those type of people are not what you need. What you need is someone who is going to model um, this sort of servant leadership, this sort of um this step back to think about situations, to take a breath and uh, to really consider what your actions are going to do next. And so I think as you learn about people, as you build your, your sort of group of CEOs, you might have multiple boards. You may have multiple CEOs, multiple people who, who come into your life and they share a different perspective. Um, and you can really, you know, learn from that and grow in that area. And so when you think about these, these pillars, um, what it means to be you know, uh, involved in the lives of foster youth who age out of that system, I don't think anyone benefits by being a victim and being unable to move beyond the circumstances in their past. If you stay in that realm, 
that's where you'll live. That's where you'll find yourself always coming from. So I, I really do think by um, you know being in a trauma-informed community, when you deal with people who have had very difficult life circumstances, very difficult childhoods, very difficult adulthood, harm and abuse and neglect and, um, and you know broken relationships and doubts and failures, what really uh, makes the biggest difference is building a community that is willing to be informed, that refuses to enable some of that um, that doubt that could seep into their lives, and to really bring others outside of their circumstances. That's what all of this has been about, is to say you're not defined by your circumstances. Your identity is not in what happens to you. It's really about how you deal with it. And so I think by taking all those experiences and saying, I'm going to you know, use that as energy, as passion to hopefully affect the life of someone else, then you can become you know, a volunteer in that. You can become a, a servant leader. You can become a person who gives of themselves, gives of their time. And if we just give people a little bit more of our time and we're willing to hear them out and willing to say, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And there is something better for you. There is a way that you can use that. And I see that in my job as a lawyer. I see that in my um, in my church. I see that in my friends and my family. I cannot think enough of you know the people who saw me at my worst, saw me at my best, saw me at, at the point of success, but also <laughs> saw me and reached out to me at the point where I really didn't have the words for what this next season would look like. And so this the goal of this organization, I think that makes it very differently and what I hope to build in the community is to not just say, you know, everyone here is, you know, needs a handout and we we need to be taken care of, we need this protectorate over us, but to say sometimes people need a hand up. And a hand up means that you grow and you benefit from the um, support of someone else. And you don't just live in that um, that glory and say, thank you for helping me. Um, but you say, thank you for helping me. And how can I help someone else? How can I pay it forward? And I want to say, you know, when you, you leave the foster care system, that doesn't follow you your whole life. No one knows that's your story. For most of us, um, for mo- many people, no one knows what your childhood was like unless you tell them, unless that comes up. And even if it does, that's not fully who you are. It affects your life, but it's not fully who you are. But you take that, uh, those experiences, you share that with others. Um, I see that for all of our, you know, our uh, goals here that we're doing. You know, if you had a job experience, one of the the, the most fun things for me, because I'm kind of an, um, you know, maybe a boring person in this, but it's so neat talking with people, uh, especially older people about their first job. What was your first job? Um, and I think, you know, in the future, we'll do a series, we'll do an episode on that. I would love to just talk to people. About, what was your first job? How did you get it? What did you learn from it? And, you know, how did it affect the other jobs of, uh, that you had throughout your life and other areas of your life? I think that's such a good, um, a good reminder that experience is a, uh, is life's teacher. And if we take those moments to figure out what did we learn from it? Um, where did where did it send us? And how can I help the next person? How can I pay it forward? How can I look back and saying, who can I show this path to? 
um, you really grow in the ways that you volunteer. Uh, this last year, we've had some amazing opportunities to volunteer with some local organizations, and it's been so rewarding. Even at times where I feel like I'm just stepping back and I'm just doing some very you know, menial task, something that gets unnoticed, you know, washing dishes, serving food, um, you know, carrying things for people, um, it's fine. You don't have to be the center of attention. You don't have to be the star of the room. It's those little things um, that make such a big impact. And you also, we have to teach this generation um, to, to be good volunteers, to be good stewards, uh, to be you know good financial um, investors, good uh, with financial literacy, to not just think about what can I do to promote myself? What can I do to promote my interests? But how can I share a vision and share an experience and inspire someone else who may be struggling, who may be in that same place that I was, and inspire them above that, to rise above your circumstances, to never be defined by what happens to you in life, but your response to it. And the best way that our generation, um, that young people can do this, that older people can do this, that mentors and volunteers can do this, is really uh, speaking truth into um, the, the honest ways that people have helped you and how you can give back and help others. Um, this this pillar of our foundation is to me the the really base of it, the foundation of the foundation. Um, that all of the things that we do, that we learn from, that we grow from, whether it's fundraising, programming, writing a resume, practice job interviews, it all has to lead back into service and and showing uh, you know we lead by example. And so. Um, I'm so excited. I want um, you to go back if you can listen to the, the different episodes. Um, you know, you can write into us at info at trotterfamilyfoundation.org. Um, please send us your questions, comments, your experiences um, in ways that you you serve, in ways that um, you want to see others served. If you're interested in volunteering with us, we have a lot of great projects coming up in the future. And so please just reach out to us. And I'm so excited to see um, you know, what happens in this next season. So thank you so much for being with us today.